from you. Help us to be able to leave here maybe learning something from the Bible, maybe just being challenged, or that your spirit would work in our hearts. Lord, I need to hear, hear from you tonight as well. Father, we love you so much. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright then, we're there in the book of Genesis, and we read that story. One of Noah's not as well-known stories, but um, I just want you to look at something. Uh, by way of introduction, in the Bible, there is a rule that is often referred to as the rule of first mention. The rule of first mention. What this means is that the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, um, it is extremely uh, important time. And because many times, the, many times God, what God will do is when He'll mention something for the very first time, He'll let us know exactly how He feels about that subject. Alright, let me give you an example. Uh, this is an, an example that's, that's pretty easy to understand. Uh, Egypt is mentioned for the first time in the book of Genesis, chapter number 12. We'll eventually get there. Verse 10. And it's, the story is when Abraham, the Bible says he went down into Egypt, and when he was there, he, he sinned because he lied about his wife being his sister uh, for fear of the people there. And, uh, and it was a bad thing. He went to Egypt. He wasn't supposed to go there. And, and uh, he went there because of fear. And when he got there, he lied because of fear. And, and that's the first time Egypt was mentioned. Well, if you do a word study, every time that Egypt is mentioned in the Bible, from Genesis chapter number 12 to the end of the Bible, every single time Egypt is uh, mentioned in a negative connotation. Is mentioned in a negative way. And, and that's really, a lot of times when you're reading something or you find a word and you don't really know what to think about it, you can just go to the very first time it appears in Scripture and God will tell you exactly what He thinks about that or what He believes about that or how He feels about that. Well, in this passage that we just read, there are two major sins mentioned that are mentioned for the first time in Scripture. The first one is alcohol and the second one is the sin of sodomy. I'd like to tonight focus on uh, tonight's sermon and kind of do a, a Bible study on, on this subject, God's view on alcohol. God's view on alcohol. And if you come back next Sunday night, we'll deal with the other subject on this, on this, uh, in this passage and God's view on uh, sodomy and what God thinks about sodomy. And it's probably different than how you feel about sodomy. You say, well, I don't like sodomy. Yeah, but it's probably different than what you think about sodomy if you really study what God believes about that. So come back next Sunday night for that and we'll deal with that subject. But uh, tonight I just want to focus on, and both of these subjects have so much scripture and they're so important, alcohol and sodomy. I was just going to preach one sermon on it, but they just need their, their own sermons. So I want to uh, look at that and focus on that God's view of alcohol. So you're there in Genesis chapter 9. Look at verse 20 again. Look at verse 20. This is the first time alcohol is mentioned. If you've been with us on Sunday nights since the beginning of this church, you'll remember, you know, we preached by Adam and Eve, and we preached about Cain and Abel, we preached about uh, Noah, we preached all sorts of different sermons, and never have we came to the place in the Bible where it refers to alcohol or wine or drunkenness till right now. So this is the first time that this was mentioned. And let's just, let's just apply this rule of first mention, and let's see what, what kind of introduction God gives us to this subject. I mean, it's very, it's, it's very simple to understand the role of first mention. The first time, you know, when you introduce somebody, you know, what's the statement they make? Uh, it, it, you can't ever make a, uh, a first impression again. You know, there's no making up a first impression. Once you make a first impression, that's it. Well, this is, this is the first impression that God would like us to get of alcohol in the Bible. Look what it says. Look at verse 20. Genesis chapter number 9. And look at verse 20. And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. Noah literally just came off the ark. Um, you know, in, in the chronological order here in the scriptures. And look at verse 21. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. 
And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and look what it says, knew what his younger son had done unto him. So we see here the very first mention of alcohol in the Bible. Does that story seem like a happy story? Does that story seem like a positive story? I mean, does that seem like something good where somebody uh, drank wine, they uh, got drunk, they took their clothes off, and then because they were in a state where they could not even understand what was happening to them, where they couldn't even feel what was going on to them, the Bible says that his, his son came into him, and when he woke up from his drunkenness, when he woke up from the wine, the Bible says he knew what had been done unto him, and if you keep, keep reading that, he curses his son, and he, and he gives him a curse. I mean, that's not a very good introduction to, to alcohol. So when we want to get God's view on alcohol, point number one is this. The very first mention of alcohol is that of a negative one. The very first na- uh, mention of alcohol is that of a negative one. Point number two is this. Simply, God does not want you to drink alcohol. Now, I know you're going to start thinking of all these different things in your mind. Just, here's what I ask you. As far as this sermon, just allow me to you know, make my points and just look at the Bible without any bias and you decide at the end what you believe about it. But simply put, God does not want you to drink alcohol. Let's look at it. Go to Proverbs chapter number 9. If you open your Bible, right in the center, you'll be in the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs will be right to the right of that. Proverbs chapter number 9 and look at verse number 10. Proverbs chapter number 9 and look at verse number 10. Let's see what the Bible says about Alcohol. Proverbs chapter number... Actually, keep your finger there in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Let's look at Proverbs 20 verse 1. Proverbs 20 verse 1. I want, I want you to see this. Proverbs 21. But keep your finger in, in Proverbs 9 10 because we're going to go back and make a point from that. But look at Proverbs 21. The Bible says, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So we, and and I I want you to just look at these scriptures and look at this and and make a logical decision. How does God feel about wine? What does it say? Wine is a mocker. What does that mean? That means when you drink wine, when you drink alcohol, that alcohol is mocking you. Wine is a a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And look at what the Bible says. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now let's ask this question. Does God want you or does God not want you to be wise? Well, you kept your finger there in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, correct? Let's look at that verse real quick. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Now it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So God says, when you fear the Lord, you begin to get wisdom. You begin to understand wisdom. But in Proverbs 21, it says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. God wants you to be wise, because God wants you to have the fear of the Lord. But according to the Bible, if you're deceived by wine, you're not wise. Look at Proverbs chapter number 23. This is all kind of just laying the foundation. We're going to look at a lot of verses, so... Sorry, you came to church and you have to use your Bible. But look at Proverbs chapter number 23 and look at verse 29. Let's just get an idea of how, what the Bible says about alcohol, what the Bible says about wine, and what, what God, how, how God feels about this subject. Look at Proverbs chapter number 23 and look at verse 29. Proverbs chapter number 23 and look at verse 29. The Bible says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? 
Who has babblings? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and singeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. You see there, again, we look at another passage that has to do with alcohol and wine. Is that a, is that a, a, a positive scripture there? Does God make it sound like, you know, because here's what the world says. The world makes alcohol uh, seem like it's cool. You know, we don't have a television here in our house, but if you, if you turn on the television, and I'm not advocating you do that, but if you turn on the television and you, and you watch a commercial of, of alcohol, or you look at an ad of alcohol, you're, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see good-looking young people drinking alcohol. You're going to see a clean house. You're going to see, you know, people having fun. People at a party. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, the person that drinks twice says, they have woe, they have sorrow, they have contentions, they have babblings, they have wounds without cause, they have redness of the eyes. The Bible says, the, uh, the, the life of an alcoholic is not a good life. And, and look, hey kids, Rebecca and Moses, hey, listen to what I'm saying. And you, you watch the ads, and you watch the billboards, and you watch the commercials, and you watch the television, and they're going to make alcohol look like it's fun. They're going to make alcohol look, let me tell you something, alcohol will destroy your life. Drunkenness will destroy your life. See, here's what they don't show you at, at uh, on, the, on the Budweiser commercial. They don't show you the wife who has her, her, her teeth uh, busted out, and who has a be- uh, black eye, and who's beaten half to death because her drunken husband came home and beat her. That's what they don't show you. Here's what they don't show you. The filth that alcoholics live in. Go out soul winning with us and knock on people's door and we'll go out in the ghettos and we knock on people's door. Give them the gospel and these drunks will come to the house. And let me tell you, they're not clean like they are on the commercials. They're not clean like they are on the advertising. They're not clean. It's filthy. They're in urine. They're in vomit. It's weird. It's, it's disgusting. It's sin. That's the picture that God paints for alcohol. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has babblings? Who has wounds without May that tarry long at the wine. May that go to seek mixed wine. Look up thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself right. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. That's what alcohol will do to you. Your eyes will behold strange women. What does that mean? Women, women that don't belong to you. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. Verse 35 of that chapter says, They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. That, that's what, Alcohol is addictive. You say, it, it, it does all these horrible things for you, and you wake up and you just look for it again. You need more examples of a negative connotation of the Bible? Let's go back to Genesis and look at uh, chapter 19. In Genesis chapter number 19, we'll look at another story that has to do with alcohol. I'm, I'm trying to give you an idea of how God... The, the, the examples that God gives us of alcohol in the Bible. The example that God gives us about wine in the, in the Bible and how He feels about it. Because this is a very, you know, it's a controversial subject. Uh, this thing of alcohol. Because everybody's doing it. Everybody drinks alcohol. Genesis chapter number 19. Look at verse 30. Genesis chapter number 19 and look at verse 30. 
Now, so you understand the story. This is a story, if you remember, of Sodom and Gomorrah, when God rained down, you know, literal hellfire from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the wickedness and the filth of the queers and the fags in that city. God hated that sin so much that He said, "He said, I'm not, even, I'm not going to send a prophet to uh, destroy. It. I'm not going to send a prophet to to try to get them to get right." He said, "I'm just going to literally pick a fire from hell and I'm going to." Pour it on them and kill them. And when he did that, he sent Lot. He sent two angels in to remove Lot from that city because he wouldn't judge a Christian uh, with, with that sin. So he poured him out. So Lot. The, the context of the story now is Lot is up in a mountain with his two daughters, and they think. See, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They think God destroyed the entire earth. And look at verse thirty. Look what what happens. Genesis nineteen thirty. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar, so he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. So they're there. Look at verse 31. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth. See, they think they're the only ones left. They said, they said Our father is old, and there is no man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. She says to her, to her young daughter, she says, There is no other man um, uh, that, to, that we can procreate with. Look at verse 32. Come. Let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him. Isn't that disgusting? That we may preserve seed of our father. And I, I want you to see this, and we'll get to this more in the sermon. But if you remember, Noah got drunk, and what happened to him? He was sodomized. Now we see here, they want to go lie with their father, have a flesh relationship, a sexual relationship with their father. So how do they, they you know, they're like, our father's not going to be okay with that, so what are we going to do? We're going to get him drunk. I want you to just keep in mind, these, this is what God lets us... When God opens the view on alcohol in the Bible, it's different than the Budweiser commercial. It's different than the billboard on the highway. He, he lets us see a different view of it. He lets us see God's view of alcohol. This is what God sees when He sees alcohol. Look at verse 33. Genesis chapter 19, look at verse 33. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Doesn't that sound like fun? He need, you know, his own daughter could come in. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesterday night with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when he arose. See, alcohol puts you in a state where you don't even know what's happening in your body. Thus were both of the daughters of Lot with child by their father. I mean, isn't that wicked? That is the result of alcohol. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son, and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son, and called his name Benjamin. Or, I'm sorry, Benami. The same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. And just for your information, the Moabites and the Ammonites were, uh, they were enemies of Israel for thousands of years to come. The result of this night, the result of this alcohol, is that, and look, does, I mean, doesn't that sound like fun? I, you know, I get tired of hearing people, I, you know, I work with people my age, I'm pretty young, and, uh, and, and you listen to people talk, and they talk about, oh, I had so much fun last night, you know, and I can't remember any of it. All I know is that I woke up in some other man's, you know, bedroom, or some other woman's bedroom, my clothes were up, and I don't even know what happened, and, and I'm thinking, does that really sound like fun to you? 
I mean, Lot could not perceive when his daughter came in and lay with him. She, he could not perceive when she woke up. Um, he was pretty much taken advantage of there. Why? Because of alcohol. And I'm just trying to show you what God, when God thinks of alcohol, when God decides, I'm going to write a book. And we understand the Bible is not just a book. The Bible is God. But God says, when I'm going to write a book, when I'm going to put my thoughts on pen and paper, and it comes to the subject of alcohol, He said, here's what I want you to know about alcohol. Noah was raped because of alcohol. Here's what I want you to know about alcohol. Lot was raped because of alcohol. Here's what I want you to know about alcohol. Those people that don't feel it, they get beaten, they don't feel it. They have wounds and they have no cause. They don't even understand when somebody lies with them. Or when they, they don't even have any control of their body. God says, that's what I think about alcohol. That's what I think about wine. You want to see another example? Go to 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And then you'll come to uh, Judges, Ruth, and First and Second Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. Let's just give you an idea of what the Bible thinks, says about alcohol. 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. Look at verse 13. 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, now, Han- now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved not, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Now, let me just give you a story. Hannah is the mother of Samuel. If, you, if you're familiar with the story, Hannah was barren. She couldn't have children. The one burden in her, in her heart and her life was she wanted to bear a child. And, and, and at this point, she's at the temple and she's praying to God. Now, the Bible says she's, she's speaking. Her lips are moving, but she's not talking out loud. And she's pleading with God to give her a child and He'll eventually give her... Um, Samuel. But look at what it says. Now Hannah, she's speaking in her heart. So she's speaking in her heart, in her mind. Only her lips move. You know, have you ever done that when you're praying? Your lips are moving, but you're not speaking out loud. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli, Eli is the priest at that time. He says, therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. So Eli thought, man, this woman is drunk. She's at the temple. She's just speaking. She's not, you know, he, he thinks the wrong thing of her. Now she wasn't drunk. I want you to understand that. But, but I want to show you something. Look at verse 14. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from me. And Hannah answered and said, She was offended. She said, No, my lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink. But I've poured out my soul before the Lord. So, so he says, hey, how long are you going to be drunk? Why are you in the temple drinking? And, he said, and she gets offended. She's like, no, 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 no. Don't think that of me. I, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I'm just praying to God that He'll give me a son. I'm not drunk. Look at verse 16. Very interesting. She says to him, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. Now, I don't have time to develop it, but that Belial there is a, uh, is a, is a false god that... That, that word Belial, that represents Satan himself. That is a false god that represents Satan himself. If you study that word out, you'll remember that in the, in the New Testament, they looked at Jesus and they said, um, you know, you're a, you're, you're a Belial. And they were referring to Satan. I mean, that is a devil. And, and here's what, what Hannah, a righteous lady, said. When somebody said, are you drunk? She said, hey, don't count me as the daughter of Belial. You know, a Christian has no... Uh, Right or has no business in going and drinking alcohol because according to Hannah, who was a righteous woman, who was a tomb of God, she said, hey, if you think I'm drunk, then you think I'm a daughter of the devil. Then you think I'm demon possessed. Then you think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a heathen. She said, no, no, I'm a daughter of God. No, I'm a Christian. He said, hey, don't, don't count me. Count not thine handmaid as a daughter of Belial. 
For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. She said, look, I'm just praying. I'm not drunk. But we see there the association between Bilal, between Satan and drunkenness. Look at Job 12.25. Let's go back to, to Job. Well, we, don't, we didn't go to Job yet, did we? We went to Psalms. If you go to Psalms, right before Psalms, the book of Job, Job 12.25. Job 12.25. Job chapter number 12 and look at verse number 25. It's giving you an idea of how God feels about this very important subject. Because the very first mention was a negative one. And we see as we study it more in the Bible, it's just negative after negative after negative. Drunkenness, rape, filthiness. Job 12.25. So different image than the world gives us, gives us, isn't it? Job 12.25. Look at what Job says about it. They grope in the dark without light. And he maketh them to stagger like a drunken man. So according to the Bible, what does a drunken person do? Stagger. Do we really have to go into that? I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. If you've ever seen a drunk person, you'll know. They just stagger. They, their equilibrium is messed up. They're not able to uh, function well. Uh, let's look at Psalm 107.27. Look at Psalm 107.27. Look at Psalm 107.27. Psalm 107.27. Give you another example of this. Psalm 107.27 says, They reel to and fro. I'll give you a moment to get there. I want you to see it. Psalm 107.27. They reel to and fro, and stagger like a drunken man, and are at their wit's end. So according to the Bible again, being drunk, they stagger. They don't have any control over their body. They're not even able to walk straight. Let's go to Isaiah 19.14. Isaiah 19.14, if you're in, you just want to start going towards the right, in the Bible there, Isaiah chapter number 19 and 14. Isaiah 19.14, look at what the Bible says. Isaiah 19.14, the Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof. And they have caused Egypt to err in every work. Therefore, look what it says, as a drunken man staggereth in his vomit. As a, when, when God uses a drunken person as an example, He says he, he gives us bad example of what this nation is going through. And He says, Thou shalt, and He says, as a drunken uh, man staggereth in his vomit. Hey kids, look up here. Does, does that sound cool? Staggering in your own vomit? I mean, lying in your own filth, in your own vomit. Let me tell you something. Alcohol is not cool. Drinking alcohol is not the cool thing to do. It's not, look, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to warn the kids, and I'm trying to warn the adults, and trying to tell you, hey, look, alcohol, the world is going to make it seem like it's the cool thing to do. It's not. The world is going to make it seem, and, and let me tell you something. People who drink alcohol, there's, there's absolutely no reason for someone to want to drink alcohol. Look, it kills brain cells. Do you know that it's actual poison? When something is fermented, you know, the actual drink of alcohol is poisonous. There's no reason. It doesn't taste good. It, there's, nothing, there's nothing good about alcohol. Here's the only reason why anybody ever will drink alcohol, period. There's no other reason because other people do it. That's it. That's the only reason people do anything. Because there's no other reason to drink alcohol. There's no fun in it. There's, look, if you just, a, a young person, an 18 or 21 year old, would not drink alcohol just by themselves. They would not just go and, and drink alcohol. They decide, I'm going to go drink alcohol. The only reason they do it is because they go out with friends. And they go out with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or their boyfriend. 
destroy yourself, or somebody could come and take advantage of you, or somebody could uh, uh, defile your body, that's not fun. And that's, you know, I know you say, oh, that's a shock to my system, I've never heard that. Well, look, that's what the Bible says. I'm sorry if you're expecting, you know, a three-point outline on why God loves you. God loves you a lot. God loves you more than anyone else. You know, I, I know that's the sermons we get now in church, but that's not, you know, when, when you really look at what God has to say about certain subjects, God is an angry God, and God says, no! He says, alcohol is wicked, it's wrong, and don't forget that. Don't forget that, Rebecca. Don't forget that, Moses. Let's go to Lamentation chapter number 4. If you notice, I set up the verses so we're heading towards the New Testament. I don't know if you've noticed that. So you want to keep going towards your right. Lamentations chapter number 4 is towards the end of the Old Testament. Lamentations chapter number 4. Lamentations chapter number 4. And look at verse number 21. I want to show you something that's interesting. Lamentations chapter number 4. And look at verse 21. Lamentations chapter number 4 and look at verse 21. If you're having trouble finding it, you can, if you find those big books there, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, right, after, right after Jeremiah is the book of Lamentations, a small book right after the book of, La- of Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter number 4. Look at verse number 21. Lamentations chapter number 24. Look at, I'm sorry, chapter number 4. Look at verse 21. Rejoice and be glad, O daughters of Edom, that dwellest in the land of Oz. The cup also shall pass through unto thee. Look what it says. Thou shalt be drunken, and shall make thyself naked. If you, if you really, if you study, you know, I'm not giving you all the verses in the Bible, because it's just, I spend all night reading the Bible to you. But, if, if you, you'll find this in the Bible, this connection. Drunkenness has a lot to do with nakedness. If you saw their Lamentations 4.21, Thou shalt be drunken, and shall make thyself naked. Many times when people get drunk, the next natural step is just to start taking their clothes off. I mean, we saw that in our text there, Noah was drunk, and what did he do? He uncovered himself. Lamentations 4.21, Thou shalt be drunken, and shall make thyself naked. Look at uh, Habakkuk, chapter number 2, and look at verse 15. Habakkuk, chapter number 2, and look at verse 15. It's going to be like the, the fifth book from the end there in the, in the uh, Old Testament. It's a, one of the minor prophets. Habakkuk chapter number 2 and look at verse 15. Habakkuk chapter number 2 and look at verse 15. The Bible says, woe. Now that word woe there, that is the most serious, like, stop and think about this word that the Bible uses. When, when God uses the word woe, I mean, He means business. He's serious. It says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, that makest him drunk also. That, and look what it says, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Do you see the connection there? I mean, the Bible says, when you give somebody a drink, when you give somebody alcohol, the next natural step is for the clothes to come up. And if you see there, Habakkuk 2.15, you may have missed it, but look, look, I want you to see this. Woe unto him. That word him is referring to what? A male. Right? If it was a female, I'd say her. It says, woe unto him, male, that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to... What's that next word? What does it say? Him. Do you see that? So God says, woe unto him, male, 
who gives his neighbor drink, that puts his bottle to, puts thy bottle to him male, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. According to Habakkuk two fifteen, a male gives alcohol to another male in order to do what? Look at their nakedness. Does that sound familiar? I mean, what happened to Noah? He got drunk, and what happened? A male came into the tent and defiled him. A male came into the tent and sodomized him. A male. Let me tell you something. It, it's very clear from the scriptures, and you ladies need to learn this. When somebody gives you alcohol, they probably want to do something. They probably want to take advantage of you. They want to put you in a state where you do not have the ability. And if somebody, look, if, if, I'm, if I'm in a restaurant and some man comes up to me, can I offer you wine, sir? You know, no. I mean, I'm thinking, what do you want to do to me? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Because when somebody gives you alcohol, they're trying to take advantage of you. When somebody gives you a drug, they put you in a state where you cannot control yourself, they are wanting to take advantage of you. According to the Bible. I thought God's view on alcohol was do it in moderation. Is that what we've gotten from the scriptures? I mean, does it seem like it's something it's okay to do, just not, you know, and that's the excuse that disobedient Christians give. Some Christians say that God just doesn't want you to be a drunk, you know, you can uh, do it in moderation. They'll say, God is okay with you drinking alcohol in moderation. Um, But we saw very clearly from the scriptures, I mean, we we looked at a a lot of verses. Is it, does God refer to alcohol in a good way or in a bad way? I mean, unless you, you're either one of two things. Just purposely don't want to look at the scriptures because you've got your own sin you want to keep performing. Or you're dumb. Because there's no other way you can look at the Bible and see any other thing than God does not like alcohol. But let's look at some of the excuses from from people. Some so-called... You know, let me tell you something. Well, well, let me make this point, then I'll make the other point. Here, inevitably, when you preach a sermon like this, someone is listening on the internet and they're going to send me an email. And this is what the email is going to say. In your sermon on, you know, minute 33, second 12, I'm just amazed that these people have nothing better to do than to listen to sermons online. Figure out what second you said, you know, mispronounced the word, and they send you an email about it. But, um, you know, or maybe you're saying their thing, and here's, here's what everybody, here's the, here's what everybody says. But didn't Jesus turn water into wine? And they'll say, see, Jesus turned water into wine. So it must be okay to drink wine today, since Jesus turned water into wine. So let's hit that subject. Let's, let's just uh, debunk that right now. Um, let me give you a few examples. Go with me to, I don't know what verse you're in, because I already forgot. But go back to Isaiah chapter number 65, and look at verse number 8. Isaiah chapter number 65, and look at verse number 8. Isaiah chapter number 65, and look at verse number 8. Does everybody know how alcohol works? Alcohol, you know, let, let's just take wine, for example. You take grapes, you make grape juice. Grape juice is not alcohol. Grape juice does not become alcohol until it's been fermented. That means it's gone bad. That's like you wait till the milk gets moldy and nasty, and that's when you drink it. That's, that's what alcohol is, the fermented alcohol. Look at Isaiah 65, 18. Are you there? Look at this verse. It says, Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster... So I want you to make note of this. We'll look at it slowly because I want you to see it. The Bible refers to new wine as being found in the cluster. Now when the, when the Bible says that word cluster, it's talking about a group of grapes that are still growing on the vine. Does that make sense? you understand that? that, that that's what the word cluster means. A group of grapes and they're still growing on the vine. What does that mean? If they're still on the vine, they're not dead. If they're still on the vine, they haven't gone bad yet. Uh, if they're still on the vine, they're not fermented. Are you following the logic here? Thus saith the Lord, as new wine is found in the cluster, 
and one say destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. So I want you to see there, 65, Isaiah 65, 8. We see, we see an example where God used the word wine, but He's, because of the description, we, we know He's not talking about alcohol that's been fermented. Because He's talking about grapes uh, that are still, that, uh, wine that is still in the cluster. It's still on the vine. Do you see that? Okay, well, how, do we, how does that make any sense? Well, let me explain to you. When our Bible was translated into English back in the year 1611, the, the, there was no word in 1611, uh, or, let me explain, there was the word, but it wasn't uh, in use as much as it is today for our modern day word Jews. Does that make sense? Uh, the, in 1611, they used, for what we call Jews, they used the word wine. And for what we call alcohol, you know, even referring to like beer and all that other garbage, they use the word wine. That was just the word they use. And, and it's, it's just like today. Today in English, we'll have many words that are sound the same, they're spelled the same way, but they have two different meanings. I mean, just open a dictionary. You'll go to a, go to a word, and there'll be like eight definitions for that same word. And, and some of those definitions can be drastically different. So, in 1611, when the King James Bible was translated, they did not, they, the word juice was in use, but not as much. They used the word wine. You see there in Isaiah 65, 8, look at it logically, and, and, and tell me that that's not what it's talking about. It says, as new wine is found in a cluster, that's not referring to alcohol. So that word wine is referring to what? Juice. Alright, do you see that? Let's go to Song of Solomon, chapter number 8. Song of Solomon, chapter number 8. If you're there, if you find Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then the Song of Solomon, chapter number 8, look at verse number 2. Song of Solomon, chapter number 8, look at verse number 2. Song of Solomon, chapter number 8, look at verse 2. The Bible says... I would leave thee and bring thee into my mother's house. Who would instruct me? I would, look what it says, cause thee to drink of spiced wine. Look what it says, of the juice of my pomegranate. So there, God even takes the time to use the word juice, which is not a common word, but he used two different words to let us know what he's talking about. He said, wine of the juice, and then he says, of my pomegranate. So it's not even talking about grapes. You know, pomegranate, this verse talking about the word wine being made from the juice of pomegranate, it's not even referring to grapes. That, that word pomegranate is a different type of fruit. So we see there are two very clear examples in the Bible when the word wine is used interchangeably or instead of the word juice. That's what the Bible says. Now look, you've got to make a decision right now. Do you believe the Bible or do you believe tradition? Do you believe the Bible or just do what you want to do? Because according to the Bible, wine can mean juice, we saw two examples, and wine can mean alcohol, we saw many examples of that. Okay, let me give you another example. You say, I, I don't really believe you. Let's go, go to the book of Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number 10, look at verse 9. Leviticus chapter number 10 and look at verse 9. Leviticus chapter number 10, look at verse 9. The Bible says, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest he die. Now, just so you understand, God is speaking to the priests. He's speaking to them about when they go into the tabernacle in order to make a sacrifice. And God gives them a very specific order. He says, Do not go into the tabernacle, you know, Drunk. He said, do not drink wine. 
Thou nor thy sons with thee. When you go into the tabernacle of the congregation. And here's how adamant, because in the, the tabernacle was a holy place. The tabernacle was somewhere where you had to go in there clean, you had to go in there holy, you had to go in there right with God. And God says, I'm so disgusted with alcohol, and I'm so disgusted with wine, and I'm so uh, disgusted with, with, with that filth and that sin, that if you walk into my tabernacle after you drank wine, God says, I'm going to kill you right on the spot. That's the rule he made for the priest. He said, don't drink it, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation. Here's what he said, lest ye die. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations. And that you may put, and here's what he says, here's what he says. Here's why I don't want you to drink alcohol, look at verse 10, to the priest says, that you may put difference between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. He says, if you drink alcohol, it's going to mess with your judgment. That's why you're not supposed to drink and drive. That's why you're not supposed to drink and, and have, you know, operate heavy machinery. Why? Because you can't do right judgment. God says, don't go in there, I'm going to kill you. That's what he told the priest. Does that sound like he's serious? Does that sound like he means business? Now, let me show you a contradiction in the Bible. You know, these, these people try to send these emails or try to misprove the Bible. Look at Leviticus chapter number 23. Look at Leviticus chapter number 23. You're in Leviticus 10. Go to Leviticus chapter number 23. Don't worry about the time. We're doing good. The average church would still be singing right now. So, we're good. Leviticus 23. Look at verse 12. Leviticus 23, look at verse 12. The Bible says, And you shall offer that day, again, God is speaking to the priest about an offering in the tabernacle. And you shall offer that day, when ye wave the sheave of an he lamb, without blemish, of the first year of the burnt offerings unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor. And look what it says. And the drink offering thereof shall be of, what does that say? Wine, the fourth part of an hymn. Now, is God, is God going crazy? I mean, he just told the priest in Leviticus chapter number 10, he said, I don't want you to drink wine, I don't want you to drink alcohol. If you go into my tabernacle with that stuff in your body, he said, I don't want that stuff anywhere in my tabernacle. If you go in there and you drink it, he said, I'm going to kill you. That's it, period. He said, that's how serious I am about you being holy in my tabernacle. Few chapters later, Leviticus 23, he says, oh, and by the way, when you're doing an offering, bring in some wine. I mean, is, that go, is God going crazy? Is that a contradiction in our King James Bible? Wouldn't that be a little hypocritical for God to tell him, hey, don't bring wine in or I'm going to kill you. And then a few chapters later, oh, when you do the offering, put some wine. Well, no, God isn't being hypocritical. And that isn't a contradiction. Because one, he's referring to alcohol. The other, he's referring to juice. Period. So, you know, people say, well, didn't Jesus turn water into wine? No, Jesus did not turn water into wine, because that would have been a sin. Proverbs 23, 31, you don't have to turn there, but we read it. God says this, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. That is a commandment. God said, don't look at it. God, he says, I don't want you to drink it. I don't want you to be anywhere near it. He said, I don't even want you to look at it. Now think about this. If the Bible says, look not thou upon the wine, I mean, that is a commandment. Do you understand that there's, there's more than just the Ten Commandments? There's commandments all over the Bible. And God says, look not thou upon the wine, that is a commandment. If Jesus would have turned water into alcoholic wine, wouldn't he be breaking that commandment? Because he looked at it. If Jesus sinned, then he wasn't God. If Jesus sinned, then he wasn't our Messiah. If Jesus sinned, then he couldn't die in my place. Look, the only reason I'm saved is because Jesus Christ took my place as a sinless Lamb of God. So, 
Either Jesus broke his own commandment because he wrote the Bible, or he turned water into juice, which was in 1611, the word wine. That's what the Bible says. Now look, people today don't like this type of preaching. They don't like this type of sermon. There's too much yelling and too much Bible. But this is what the Bible says about the subject. How does God feel about alcohol? Now you've got to keep this in mind. There are people today who... I mean, there are religions There are religions in this, in this world who when they take the Lord's Supper, they take alcoholic wine. They take an alcoholic beverage for the Lord's Supper. Again, if Jesus Christ would have taken alcoholic wine at the Lord's Supper there before He died, He would have been sinning because according to the Bible, God says, don't even look at it, don't go anywhere near it, I don't want you to drink it, I don't want you to, He said, if you drink it, I'm going to kill you. If you drink it and go into my tabernacle, I'm going to slay you right there. Do you think, do you honestly look at it logically? Don't just be thinking about, well, how, you know, how am I going to go to the Olive Garden now, and I'm going to do this. Just think of it logically. Does God want you to drink alcohol? Did Jesus turn water into alcoholic wine? The answer is no. We saw very clearly in the scriptures that the word wine is changed interchangeably with the word juice. And you say, well, how do I know the difference? Look at the context. If someone is drinking wine and they're making you know, an offering unto the Lord, it's juice. If Jesus Christ is turning water into wine, it's juice. Because whenever somebody's drinking alcohol and it's wrong, and it's wrong, the context tells you. He uses words like this, strong drink. He uses words like this, uh, you know, he, he, he lets us know that they got drunk. He lets us know that they got raped. He lets us know that they took their clothes off. He lets us know that they were in disobedience. He uses words like, whoa, and he, and he, he lets us know. The context will always let you know. Just read the Bible. It don't make sense. The Bible is very clear on this subject. If you simply study it out. But you must choose. See, here's the problem. And here's what I've learned, you know, as being a pastor for the last 13 weeks. Here's what I've learned. You can study as long as you want. You can study as hard as you want. You can take a subject and go up one side and down the other with verse after verse after verse. I mean, logically, where somebody would see the verses and there's no argument, there's no way to, to go against it. I mean, that is what the Bible says, period. You can be as dynamic as you want. You can be as loud as you want. You can be as uh, mean or angry or, or whatever as you want. And here's, here's the problem. People are going to do whatever they want to do. Period. People will do what they want to do and they will believe what they want to believe. And here's what you've got to decide. What kind of Christian are you? Go back to Genesis chapter number 9. Let me show you something. Genesis chapter number 9. Look at verse 20. That's where we started. We're almost done. Genesis chapter number 9. Look at verse 20. I literally know churches where the preaching would be started, starting right now. So we're, do, we're good on time. Genesis chapter number 9. Look at what it says. Look at verse 20. And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. Now you've got to keep in mind, remember we preached about Noah the last couple of weeks. Noah has just literally came off the ark. Now if you remember, what does the ark represent? Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? We preached a sermon about how the ark represents Jesus Christ, and the rainbow represents eternal security, and we, we talked about all that. So Noah just, you know, spiritually speaking, as far as looking at the pictures of the, of the Old Testament and what they're showing us, Noah just got saved. You know, he just got on the ark. The, the ark represents Jesus Christ. You enter into Jesus Christ to be saved from the judgment of God's sin. But here's the problem with Noah. He comes off the ark and he says, Hey, salvation is good enough for me. Now I'm going to go do whatever I want. Do you see that? Salvation, Jesus Christ and the ark is good enough for me. Now I'm going to do whatever I want. Do you know that Christianity is more than just getting saved? Do you know that? Have you ever thought about that? Do you know that God has an entire Bible devoted to how He wants you to live your life? 
in the Bible to what He wants you to do and what He wants you to not do. But see, you can either decide to be, hey, salvation is good enough for me. Sunday morning church is good enough for me. Uh, you know, just uh, playing the part and, and putting on the tie and putting on the suit and putting on the skirt and, and singing the hymn and just going there and playing the part. And I'm not going to uh, be happy the whole time I'm there. I'm going to be poor the whole time I'm there. I'm going to do nothing the whole time I'm there. I'm just going to go and, and do the little part and I'm not going to live for God. And you know what? Let me tell you something and it, it just let me make this clear. God is not impressed with you putting on a skirt, with you putting on a tie, with you going to church on Sunday morning, with you getting in the ark. Anybody would get in the ark. Who would not get in the ark? I mean, who does not want to get saved? But God says there's more to Christianity than just getting on the ark. God says, I expect you to live right. I expect you to do right. And that type of Christianity is what God is looking for. The type of Christian that would look at the Bible and say, Wow, I never knew that God didn't want me to drink alcohol. But, I'm going to quit. But see, here's what, here's what people do. Well, I used to go to this church where they gave us alcohol. I was a, I was a kid. They gave us alcohol. They called it the Lord's Supper. Well, they obviously, they weren't reading the Bible I'm reading. They weren't looking at the Bible I'm looking at. What type of Christian are you, Noah? I know the ark is good enough. I know salvation is good enough. And look, hey, Noah, the rainbow's there. And when you see a cloud coming, you'll see the rainbow. You, you don't have to worry about it. You can get drunk. You can do whatever you want. And God is not going to judge you for your sins. And let me tell you something. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can be a drunk. You can be an idiot. You can be a drug addict. You can do whatever you want. And God will not judge you for your sins. His promises, I've told you that. But let me, if you've been in the ark. But let me tell you something. God is not impressed. Let me tell you something. God is not impressed. God wants you to be the type of Christian that searches the Scriptures and looks at the Bible. And decides what type of Christian you're going to be. Because here's the sad thing. God looked down on earth and he saw sin and corruption and wickedness. He said, Noah, you're righteous. Uh, I've seen your family. They're a good family. I'm going to take you out of this world. I'm going to put you in an ark. I'm going to flood the world. We're going to start all over. And the sad thing is, God said, God, God had this, this, this fear about him. He said, I just want to start over. I just want to see if we can give these people a second chance. And, and he takes Noah out of the world. He destroys the earth. He, he kills everybody. He starts over. And the sad thing is that Noah couldn't figure out how to be more than a Sunday morning only type of Christian. And the world went. Immediately after he gets off the ark, we have drunkenness. We have rape. We have sodomy. And the world went straight back to what it used to be before the flood. And now God, the Bible says He's going to come, and He promised that He wouldn't destroy the earth with, with water anymore. So one day Jesus Christ will come, and the Bible says He's going to burn the world up. And He's just going to start over. He's going to destroy the world with heat. The Bible says with fervent heat, and He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Because Noah wasn't committed. Noah just was not committed. The Bible is very clear on the subject. If you simply study it out, if you look at the verses, it's very simple. But you must choose, what do you believe? Do you believe whatever you want? Do you believe what tradition has taught you? Or do you look at the Bible and say, Man, I'm just going to look at what the Bible says that's, and, and study it out and, and follow God's Word. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much.